This is Detention, a podcast dedicated to candid conversations about education. I'm your host, Dr. Nadia Lopez, a global leader, author, speaker, coach, consultant, and entrepreneur who opened a school to close a prison. Join me as I share my insights and bring fellow disruptors to serve time in conversation. Rebels, let's get into some good trouble. Welcome to the very first episode of Detention. I'm your host, Dr. Nadia Lopez, proud founder and former principal of Mott Holbridge's Academy, a New York City public school located in the Brownsville section of Brooklyn. My story became a viral sensation after one of my scholars, Vidal Shasnet, was featured in Humans of New York, and he shared that I was one of his greatest influences. That led to meeting President Barack Obama at the White House, I received the Black Girls Rock Change Agent Award alongside Michelle Obama, and also the Medal of Distinction from Barnard College. But amongst many other accolades, I was named one of the top 50 Global Teacher Prize finalists, which is similar to the Nobel Peace Prize. I'm also the author of The Bridge to Brilliance, which is a memoir that captures my journey of an educator turned principal who opened a school to close a prison. I highlight various stories about the teachers that have served at Mount Bridges Academy, the scholars um, who have shown so much brilliance and resilience, but also the needs of the community of Brownsville that has been marginalized historically. And for those who ask, what happened to Vidal? Well, a lot of your questions are answered you would be surprised at the turn of events and what it really takes to disrupt the system. So now let's get into detention. And I want you to think about the word and the context that it relates to when we talk about schools. You know, it's usually an individual or a group of children who don't follow the rules. They're the troublemakers. They're the ones who color outside of the line they will not conform to the policies and procedures, but there's always an underlying issue at play and we don't take time to find out what that really means. Whether it's, I'm being a challenge to you because you're not challenging me, or I don't feel like I fit in because there really is no inclusivity in this school community in which I identify with, or There's no time for you to actually build a relationship with me because you as the adult are so focused on the curriculum, the assessments, the compliance, and there's only 10 months for you to get through that. Now, of course, I'm speaking from the mindset of the young person who's seen as a disruptor and the rebel. And we don't have time. All we do is put those young people in a place hoping that this consequence will send a message to everyone else that if you don't follow the rules, you have to pay a price. But those individuals are actually leaders. The reason why we put them in detention is because we don't want everybody else following them. Because if they did, we probably would have anarchy in our school buildings. And so when I created Mott Hall, I was creating a model that did not fit within the box 
of the public school system. I was challenging everything that represented what they wanted to see, which was being compliant with only getting through assessments, making sure the data was showing progress, but really wasn't actually reflecting the needs of our children and what it takes for them to advance and be prepared, not just for the next school year, but how to really navigate through life. I saw the value of giving children experiences beyond their school building, connecting with individuals that had gone into various industries that they had no idea existed. That was the real work, showing young people the possibilities, regardless of the zip codes that they lived in, regardless of their circumstances and situations. I wanted them to know that because they came from Brownsville, it really meant that they could survive and thrive, but they just needed the tools. And let me tell you, there were a lot of people who told me that it wouldn't be possible for my scholars to ever make it out, that they could never go to college. And this came from the very people who approved me getting in school. I dealt with plenty of microaggressions, passive aggressiveness. I was placed in a lot of demoralizing situations that I plan to share in future episodes. But let me tell you something, at the core, I was gonna fight and I was gonna be a disruptor. And alongside of it, I was gonna find individuals who believed in the vision who was gonna help support me in this work. And it didn't make people feel comfortable because to show what is possible, to show when you think outside of the box and you're not willing to color inside the lines and still show that this work can become a masterpiece, that became problematic. And so many times I was targeted and I was placed in quote unquote detention. I was the person who didn't get tenure. And for those who understand that tenure means sort of like this protection that I can't easily be fired from my position because I've shown I'm capable of doing the work. However, it wasn't until after Humans of New York that I was able to get my tenure. That was five years into my principalship going on to my sixth year. Now, you know, if I wasn't doing my work, they could have easily discontinued my license. They could have taken me out of my school because why have someone who's incompetent? Well, let me not say this because there's a lot of incompetent people. <laughs> but Humans of New York shed a light on what we were doing that a lot of people started asking the questions, well, why aren't other schools doing this? Why aren't, aren't other schools building partnerships and relationships with colleges and universities and having children do visits on an annual basis, training teachers on how to best use strategies that are effective in urban communities and then bringing them out into other schools so that they can do effective work. I thought about doing all of that because when I was a teacher in training as a New York City teaching fellow, nobody did that for me. 
for me, common sense made sense. And it all relied on having a vision. And so thinking about those young people and what it meant to be in detention and then saying to myself, it's best to sit down and find out what's going on with them and having a better understanding. I want to have conversations with individuals who are the disruptors and rebels, whether they're in education or they're an extension of the educational industry. It's important for us to learn from one another. And I want people to be inspired. And sometimes you should be outraged by the stories that's being told. Because there are so many leaders who are leaving the position because they can no longer sustain themselves with all of the stress. And hey, I was one of those individuals. Because of the demands, because of the lack of support, and the constant need to protect my school from those who could not understand the value of what was being provided or could never understand how a school could be created without the resources that is actually needed, right? For sustainability. There was more harm done emotionally, spiritually, and physically that caused me to leave. Now, it was the hardest decision, but I had to choose life over death. I developed a kidney disease um, and other autoimmune disease throughout my tenure as a principal. But my legacy and the work that I've done still continues. And that's the most important thing. I want you to know that there's still hope in education. And this is not just about educators. This is a collective movement that requires every stakeholder, no matter what you do, no matter where you live, because education is a global issue and it affects all of our children, whether they're yours directly through birth or the ones that live in your community. So I'm excited to bring voices that need to be heard. Some of them will be well-known individuals and others are going to be individuals whose voices I truly believe needs to be amplified. So I'm excited um, because during COVID, educators were important. And then as we transitioned back into our school buildings, folks forgot. It became more about getting kids back into the school building but what about the preparation of the adults? What about hearing what their needs were? And the pressure that is being applied is forcing great educators to leave a profession that they love, leaving our schools short of staff and our children in positions that they're not learning. They feel like they've been given up on. And we shouldn't blame the adults who have had to make the hard decision of choosing themselves to have peace of mind, to preserve their own health and being able to find places in which they are being honored and can thrive without the toxic work environments, without the demands that are unreasonable. So join me weekly 
for conversations with fellow disruptor and rebels who are making the difference, who are walking to the beat of their own drum and doing exceptional work. I want you to follow me on my social media platforms at The Lopez Effect. If you want to send me some show ideas or if any of this resonates with you, you can send me an email at detentionwithdrlopez at gmail.com. That's detentionwithdrlopez at gmail.com. I'll place all of this information in the show notes to make it easier for you. And I do ask that you share this with your networks. It's so important for us to let our networks know what's going on, what's new. And I appreciate all of your support. So until next time, please take gentle care of yourselves and don't be afraid to get into a little bit of good trouble. Thank y'all for serving detention with me. And we're out. Peace.